Welcome to Moonrest. <laughs> Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I am Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for a long time and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. Yes, indeed. And today we are diving into an age-old problem, volunteers. Yeah, and timely. This is the time of year when every one of us I feel like in every ministry across the world is looking for people to help them uh, provide the program or whatever they're doing. Whether you're DRE, RCIA, youth minister, you're looking for volunteers. Yes, and uh, I'm going to start with a little story. Uh, I recruited a volunteer once, the absolute worst way possible. So we were, we were. I was uh, leading a middle school program, and we needed another catechist in seventh grade. Otherwise, the class would not happen. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. I called the parents of that class together, and I said, this class will not happen unless someone steps up to lead this class. We need this. The diocese requires that we have adults in the room. You know, just went through and shared, like, this whole Catholic guilt trip. And finally, there was a volunteer. Made everyone feel bad enough that someone stepped up. (laughs) Yeah, and they reluctantly volunteered, and they said, I guess I can give it a try. And then... I said, great, it's yours, and didn't do anything to pour into him or empower him. I just wow. shoved the task. And so when we... Well, this had to be really early in your career. It was year two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It was, year, it was year two, and to a degree, my mentality was I got to stay focused on the high school program. That's our keystone program. And the middle school, we just have to have a warm body to make sure that the diocese doesn't get mad at us. Just right? checking the box to get things done, not really investing in it at all. So if you can imagine, that didn't go that well. Um, <laughs> really? Well, yeah. why, why would that be, Chris? I was sharing uh, ministry as a burden instead mm. of calling out their gifts to the actual gift of ministry. So ministry was not, it was like this, this task, this thing that I had to get off my plate, this ugly thing. And that is not how ministry works. God calls us into ministry. And what I needed to do is say, you have gifts. One of your gifts is you know very well one of the students in this class because it's your son or daughter. Mm-hmm. Now, from that, God has called you to share your other gifts by virtue of your baptism. And maybe, just maybe, we need to take a moment to invite the Spirit into the room to see if there's someone here that would be uh, called to lead this class. And it could have been the same mom that raised her hand, but her yes would have been such a different yes. And I think the experience for her and also for the students or for the the, the, the youth she was ministering to would have been transformed Absolutely. and transformational. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, like, every one of us, though, gets frustrated when we have to, when we feel like we have to beg for volunteers. When, it, when it's so hard, it feels like it's so hard to get people that you just get frustrated and you're like, am I the only one here freaking doing this? All right, forget it. We're not going to have the class unless you show up. You know, I, I, yeah. you know, I, I get that feeling. You know, I, I understand it um, because I think all of us get frustrated in, in that way. Because sometimes when the ship is sinking, it feels like we're the only ones that are getting wet. Or that we're the only ones that care. Like everyone else is watching it sink and they don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what we feel like. Um, so yeah, like what we're talking about this, this week on this episode is, is recruiting volunteers, right? Next week, we're going to dive into retaining, you know, making sure you, you invest in and keep them. But this week, we're talking about recruiting volunteers. So the first step in recruiting volunteers, and I know this sounds like a given, but ask God to form your team. Pray for your volunteers. He knows their names. 
I don't know their names. Like I, I have a, a program right now that's in desperate need of volunteers and like, Lord, you know who they are. And it'd be nice if you shared that with me, you know, but ask God, pray for your volunteers. Yeah, because um, if you don't know their names, you can't go and ask them. Uh, but God can. God knows who they are, and he can have them, you know, get inspired, inspire them to reach out and say, hey, I think this would be a great fit for me, or I'm looking for a ministry. You know, can I volunteer with your team? Now, that, would, that would be awesome if that happened every single time, but it doesn't. It doesn't happen. Yeah, maybe we got to do a little bit of the heavy lifting too. Yeah. So, so then the next part is the ask, the ask to make an appeal. Um, general appeals can work, but specific appeals are best. So the bulletin could assist or accent your uh, your appeal, but no, you're not going to get a lot of volunteers from a bulletin announcement, yep. right? Or even pulpit announcements. I mean, or even a mass general emails. So you need to get more personal and you need to look at the different gifts of the people you have. And maybe it's just because it's a parent that has walked their child in and talked to other children in the classroom, you know, for just a few minutes before they walk out. And you're like, wait a minute, this mom or this dad seems to have a relationship and doesn't have a fear in interacting with these children, these youth, these dun 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 teenagers, you know, whatever it is. Um, and maybe that's all you need to speak to their strength. Like call out their gift. Have you had an appeal that, like, where you get up to the pulpit and you make an announcement that you felt like was a good appeal, like a good way to do it? Yes, we did. Just in fact, this last uh, this last weekend at our parish, we did uh, our catechist uh, or faith formation volunteer recruitment. And so, one thing we did is we we got up there. Here's the trick with pulpit announcements: you have 120 seconds or less. Aim for so 90. Keep it, Aim for 90. Huh? Aim for Aim 90. For 90. Yeah. Keep it short, keep it sweet, and keep it moving. But we engaged them. And so we got up and uh, we shared, you know, this year, blah, 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 faith formation need, yada, yada. And then we said, if you as a child or as a youth had an adult that poured into you in your faith formation or helped you come to know Jesus better, please stand. Mm. And surprisingly, only about half the room stood. Wow. I'm like, I don't know if they were listening because everyone should be standing right now. You know, <laughs> half the room stood and I said, who will stand for our teens or our youth today so that they can stand for Christ tomorrow? Nice. Come talk, talk about it with me in the back. And so it was, it was good because it, it required interaction engagement and people saw, oh, pouring into others is effective. Look at all these people that have been affected by it. And then we used some of the standing language to, uh, to draw out the, the, the appeal. It only took you 15 years to get to the point where you didn't guilt them. Oh, no, I still I still guilted them. <laughs> or baby Jesus will cry. Uh, thank you, good night. And then, yeah. No, I'm sure you stopped guilting people, you know, years ago. Um, but, yeah, yeah, getting up and making the announcement that, you know, hey, guys, this program is going to fail if you don't step up. That's not what you did. No, that is not. Nope. We said yep. we have this need, and it's amazing. It makes an impact. Look around the room now. There's people standing because of an impact that was made in them years ago. Come talk to me in the back. Um, but the, the reality is, is the guilt-driven appeal doesn't bear the fruit that we desire either. Mm -mm. Yeah. It, it's not the right motivator. It's not the right why. Correct. I would rather have someone, I would rather have a smaller team of volunteers than a team of volunteers that's not called to volunteer to that ministry. Amen. Yeah. Absolutely. I had a, an appeal recently, and I don't know, this is the first time I've ever done an appeal like this, and I actually really enjoyed it, and I think the parish enjoyed it. Um, because what I did is I got up and I said, 
because we're in a college town. And so our, our parish is very dependent on college students. And they have been for a while. And I don't know if it's part of the, I don't know, the culture of the parish or what. But they've, it seems like they've abdicated any volunteerism, to, especially with the youth, to the college students. Because they right. have this mentality of, you know, oh, I don't, either I don't know what I'm talking about or, you know, young people or high schoolers need to see college students. And so it's not good for me to get up there. They're so younger. Got, they can connect age-wise more, you know. All that stuff, you know. So yeah. we're, we're battling with that here. And I'm sure that's something that everyone battles with to a certain degree everywhere. But so I got up and I said, you know, I told them, I said, I don't know if you guys realize this, but, you know, I've been in ministry here at this parish for 10 years. And over those 10 years, the predominant volunteers that we have had have been college students. And I said, they are great. They have a lot of good to offer to our young people. But how are you are, like, how are our young people going to learn what it's like to be a Catholic mother? You know, a Catholic father, a Catholic, you know, someone who's a professional. Where are they going to get that witness? Um, of what it's like to live your your Catholic faith outside of college. Um, and so I said, that's what we need from the parish. And I said, I, and I'm not asking for volunteers. I actually said this in my pitch. I said, I'm, I'm not asking for volunteers. I'm asking for you to share with me who you think would be good, a good mentor, a good example for our young people. I want you to give me their contact information, and then I will reach out to them. That's like a, a multi-level marketing move. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it worked. I mean, we got, I mean, we got around 30 people's contact information and I called every single one of them and I would say 20 of the 30 were, were interested. Wow. And, and none of them were upset because that, like the way I framed it was when I called them, I said, Hey, someone in the parish thinks you would be a great example. So yeah. like, no matter what, even if they don't volunteer, they know right there that someone in the parish thinks highly of them. Values. You know, and so it, it got to, I, it was it was a really neat experience. It's the first time I've ever done it like this. Um, and I really enjoyed that way of, you know, making an appeal for volunteers. Yeah, good. So general appeals can work, but specific appeals are better. And that's what you did. You took a general appeal and then qualified it. Yep. To where then you were able to make specific appeals to pour into their gifts. Even if it wasn't you that saw those gifts, someone else in the parish saw this gift. But when you're appealing, the personal appeal should call out their gifts. Speak to their strengths, right? Don't start with your need. Start with their strengths and then a clear vision. So this is what we seek to accomplish. This is how your gifts connect with this hope, right? Not this need, not this burden, but this hope. And then you give a clear descri- a clear description of duties. Like what exactly is expected? The time commitment, what you will be doing, and then, of course, the expectations as a volunteer which often includes some sort of a safe environment type training. No matter what ministry you're running, you have a variety of needs. You don't just need people who are going to commit two to three hours a week every week for the whole year. You need people that will be there at the beginning of the year or will be there at the beginning of the night or will be there at the end of the night, will help out with the retreat. You need a, a variety of volunteers. So make sure that when you're describing the needs of the ministry, you actually cater, um, or you make sure you highlight that or you say, Hey, you know, I, I need a variety of volunteers to the, to the dad that travels every other weekend, but you know, he would make a great small group leader. Yeah. I can't believe that I didn't do this until about four years ago in ministry, but I had him come when he's in town and be a substitute small group leader. Why? Because we have about 10% of our team that's no shows or that's not there for whatever reason on a given week. 
And so he comes in, and at least every other week, we have this guy that comes in and leads a random small group because someone else is out sick or out traveling as well and things like that, which is way better than what we just used to do, which is combined small groups. And now someone has a group, by no means a small group. It was like 15, 20 kids, you know. Not only did you have to combine the small group, but then that, that guy didn't have a chance to volunteer. Because you would just exactly. say, oh, you would just say, oh, sorry, if you can't like fully commit, like then you, you can't volunteer. Right. And so we need to have multiple on-ramps to our program and multiple ways to serve. Yeah. I was, I was speaking with uh, actually someone from your team this last week, and there's this person that they encountered that would not make a good small group leader. There's just a number of factors, and that's okay. And that person, the, the volunteer recognized it as well, but they still had a desire to serve. So we talked about different roles. You can have ministry of hospitality. You can have the person that goes and makes sure every small group has what they need when we're doing markers and poster board or whatever it is. There's a lot of different ways to accent the ministry or even just to be the person in the parking lot that makes sure they get safely from the front door to the vehicles when lights are out. You know, it's dark outside a lot of times when our ministry is in, especially for youth ministry. So it's good to have a parking lot attendant. There's a lot of different ways. Absolutely. And so after you um, have this phone call, what's the next step? So then I I would recommend that you set up a one-on-one personal meeting. In other words, the ask is actually a process of discernment. And so in the one-on-one meeting, ask them to share a little bit about themselves and why they might be interested or why they think they'd, uh, they'd be a good part of the team. And it helps them to share their gifts, you know, and sometimes it also that gives them an opportunity to share their insecurities so that you can figure out how you can best help them to be successful. Okay, you're nervous about leading a small group. Here is the book Lead Small by Orange Publishing. Excellent book, right? Mm. You hand it to them. I actually literally yesterday I handed it to a to a potential volunteer and I said, this book's short and easy to read. I'm asking for five bowel movements and then you'll be done with the book. Like <laughs> literally give us a week of your toilet time and you will be all the way through this book. And they laughed and they said, okay. And, uh, and so, so there it is. So, so share the vision, share who you are, get to know them, ask them to do the same, and then let them know that your job is to help them be successful in what areas they need to be successful. And then you move into more of the logistics. Here's what I expect from you. Here's what you can expect from me. And then this is a key part in that personal, that one-on-one meeting, don't ask for a commitment, but give them a clear timeline for them to discern. We're on an accelerated timeline because classes start up in three days. So I'm going to contact you in two days if I don't hear from you tomorrow, but I want you to take it to prayer and ask if this is something the Lord is calling you to do. And this is a step that I didn't always do, but it's a step that leads to higher buy-in and longer retention. Why? Because they actually take his prayer, and when a calling from God becomes difficult, you endure. But when something you're doing is no longer fun, sometimes you walk away. And so connecting them with the deeper purpose, connecting them to their deeper relationship with Christ and how it connects to their discipleship, their calling, their mission, that changes the way from the start how they enter into the ministry. Yeah, I mean, if if they started in this ministry because they felt pressure to say yes or um, they felt like they had to say yes. That's totally different than if you give them some time to pray about it. Like you said, it becomes a mission um, from God rather than just, oh, Chris needed my help, so I'm gonna I'm gonna help. Because then when you get tired, because everyone gets tired in ministry, no matter who you are, then you you you're like, okay, God, you get you did this to me, <laughs> right. you did this to me, and you're gonna get me through it. I hope. Um, otherwise, it's like, oh, you know, I did this for Chris. Chris can find someone else. I'm out. 
Exactly. Yeah. So connect them to their deeper yes. Make it more meaningful for them. And this all takes more time than just saying, here's an appeal, show up on this day, and I'm going to hand you a book or a sheet that tells you what to do. And that's what we're going to call your on-ramp. Yeah. It's so hard when you have 40 volunteers, right? Or when you have 35 volunteers and you need to meet with each one of them individually and each meeting takes about a half hour. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of hours in the midst of a busy time of planning the semester and all these parents coming for registration or with questions and sacraments and all these details. It's hard to make that time. It's so worth it to make that time. Absolutely. Um, we may have gotten a little bit ahead of ourselves. How, what are other ways that you get contact information or potential volunteers? Because we talked about it, the public appeal, potentially the bulletin, which isn't the, the best way. Um, what are other ways to get contact information? Depending on the age of the, the people you're serving, um, because this could be adults. Like, How would you do it for RCA when there's people that have never been to the parish before? Well, that's not necessarily true. Hey, who invited you or how did you come to know St. Mary's? You know, how did you come to know this parish? And they're going to mention a person. You're talking about asking the attendees, like yeah. the, the participants of RCIA. The you participants of RCIA, I'm talking about asking the youth in your program. I'm talking about asking the uh, the people that are the consumers of the ministry, so to speak. Yeah. Right. And say, who do you think would be a good member? And they're not going to say, oh, college students. They're going to say, yeah. my uncle's a parishioner here, and he's a lot of fun. He might be someone worth asking. Yeah, and then, absolutely. And then you have, again, that call list that you did and reason to reach out. So that's a good spot. What are some others? Well, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you get to say, hey, you know, members of the youth group or members of RCIA thought you would be really good. So you're affirming them as you're asking them. Yeah. Hi, my name's Chris from the church. I was just calling to tell you you were loved. What are you, yeah. you going to do <laughs> about it? Some things are awesome. Yeah. 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 What are you going <laughs> to do about it? So. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's, I mean, the, the other obvious one is asking your existing volunteers um, for other people that they want to work with. Because... You, you want to build a team that likes each other. Um, and as you do that, like they can ask their friends to join the team with you. And then that makes it easier to build a team that likes each other, that wants to spend time together, that looks forward to you know, the, the event that you're running because their friend's going to be there volunteering with them. Right. Another two ways that, uh, that are kind of neat is one, to ask the pastor. Mm. He encounters people from uh, some of the most intimate moments of their life. And sometimes he gets to see gifts that you would never see. And he yep. can call those gifts into, into action. And so you're like, hey, I really need someone who's going to be good at speaking in front of people. It's like, well, this guy, he lives uh, the Summa Theologica. So he at least has the knowledge and he's always been real articulate with me. Why don't you reach out to him? And then you make the same phone call. Hey, Father recommended that I connect with you. It's like, wow. Yeah. you know, Whoa. Um, Yeah. <laughs> and the other one is, is our growth as a parish. New parishioners should be invited to volunteer. Like in their first three months as a parishioner, they should be invited somehow to volunteer. And if other ministries aren't, uh, I don't want to say exploiting, but taking advantage of this reality, because they go from parishioner to like a missionary if they start being engaged. And I think about that. I think about how do we increase engagement? Not how do we increase tithing, not how do we increase mass attendance, but how do we increase engagement? Because everything else will come along with that if you have an engaged parishioner and volunteering or doing something with your your head, your heart, and your hands as a volunteer is a great way to move from just Joe parishioner to engaged parishioner. So how would you start that phone call? Hey, welcome to the parish. My name's Chris. I'm in charge of the youth. I am just reaching out to let you know that we have a lot of neat volunteer opportunities. 
Tell me a little bit about your family. Tell me what brought you to the area. Is youth ministry something that you're interested in being involved in? No, I'm more interested in this, or we're just kind of trying to figure things out. Well, great. As you guys get settled, I'm going to call you back in three months just to see how you're doing and see if you might be interested in volunteering at that time. Or, oh, you're more interested in A, B, or C. Oh, you've got some children that are in fourth grade or first communion. Why don't I connect you with this person? And so you you become kind of an on-ramp even to other people's ministries, and that's amazing as well because once you start doing that, then we see the eighth graders starting uh, volunteers starting to volunteer into the high school program. Or there's just this neat sharing where people aren't leaving your ministry just to be done with ministry, but they're leaving to go serve in another ministry because you've built a culture of service, a culture of volunteerism in your parish. Yeah, that was one thing as you were talking about the pastor that I was thinking, oh, maybe you could ask the other, you know, staff members at the parish, you know, if they knew of anybody. But there is like, and you you were kind of alluded to it. There's this, you know, mentality of scarcity. Nobody wants to share their volunteers right. because they're so hard to get. And so they're like, uh, if I thought of someone that would be good, I would be calling them. I'm not going to tell you who they are. Right. But if if you start doing something like that, where you're you're directing people to other ministries, then the likelihood that they'll be open with, hey. You know, so-and-so has been volunteering with the eighth graders for a really long time. I think that, that they would be great in high school now because they know everybody in the high school at this point. You know, they've been volunteering for eighth grade for the last, you know, four years. They know everyone in high school yeah. because of that. Yeah. You know, they would be a great high school volunteer. Um, different things like that. Like, But if you have that mentality of scarcity as well, it's just going to, you know, add to that same mentality with everybody else on staff. Yeah, because God only calls a couple of people into service and whoever finds them first wins. That's how it works. <laughs> nope. Nope. Um, so I, I really like that idea of reaching out to um, the new parishioners. Um, I hadn't thought about that before. And I wonder if, if our parish, I know our parish sends out a questionnaire, you know, and stuff like that, but I, I have no idea if anybody follows up on that. Um, so I, I, after I get off this podcast, I'm going to go to call our, sec- our, st- our church secretary and get a list. Well, that's the other thing is that that appeal that you did this last uh, weekend or whenever it was, what if you hadn't called those people in a, in a timely manner? Yeah. Hey, three to four months ago, someone suggested that you volunteer. It's like, we don't even talk anymore. He never returned my lawnmower. Like, I'm done with that person. You're like, wow. Okay. Like, you have to yeah. respond when someone, someone shows interest, even just in an email, hey, I'd like to hear more about what I can do to help the ministry. Do not flag that email. Respond immediately. Hey, it's a yeah. real busy time right now. I can't talk, but can we set up a meeting for a week and a half from now? Whatever it is, just if you have to kick it down the road a little bit, kick it with setting a meeting so that you are held accountable to, re, uh, to honor that person's prompting by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, one of the, you reminded me, like one of the weirdest things about that appeal that I did is I got several people, even weeks later, who complimented me on my talk. <laughs> like, I didn't give a talk. I gave a 90-second appeal. It was literally less than 90 seconds. Yeah. And they're like, you're really good at speaking. I'm like, okay, thanks. You know? like, so it actually be- it became advocacy as well um, for, the, for the program, for the youth ministry. Um, but yeah, people are just starving for yeah, stuff like that. So it's just funny. Yeah, I... Uh... I got up and gave, when I was introduced to the parish, I got up and I was like, hi, my name's Chris Bartlett. I'm going to tell you about who I am and I'm going to do it in less than a minute. And then I, I did it and I almost, like, like there were a couple people that stood. They like almost gave me a standing ovation because it was like a 60 second pulpit announcement, you know, and, and people, you see people kind of die a little bit when someone else goes up there because sometimes 
it's like a homily, the sequel coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah. So they were really pleased, and I got, I still have gotten compliments. I remember when you came to the parish and you gave that announcement that was just so fast. I'm so proud of you, and I'm like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's so easy to please people once they're <laughs> at the end of the the liturgy that they are ready to go and to be like, I am acknowledging that you are ready to go. Let's roll. All right, so we've recruited this year's team. We're done, right? No, we're not. We stop recruiting, right? No. So of course, it's always be recruiting. A, B, C. Always be closing. That's a sales technique, right? So you're constantly <laughs> recruiting. It's a year a year long on ramp. Every single person that you're, you have to have on ramps at any point of the year because the Holy Spirit works on a different timeline. <laughs> oh, does the Holy Spirit work on a different timeline? Holy Spirit, I have this timeline. Could you please? Chop, chop, you know, giddy up. Yeah. And uh, and so we always... I've told you recently, and maybe we talked about it, but um, you get... I feel like I'm in this point where, where God's given me about half of the blessing. Like he's given us this ministry and these ministries to be done. I need people, man. Yeah. Like, like I, I, I've given half the blessing. Can you finish the blessing, please? You know? That, that was last week's episode. So, yes. <laughs> I said that last week. So that was the whole episode. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Welcome to the welcome to the table. Welcome to the conversation. Um, but but you're gonna want to follow up with them and create an on-ramp to their ministerial role, which oftentimes means training. So now you've recruited them, right? But what does it mean to actually train and empower them? Before we move on to that though, you said always be recruiting. What does that look like? Great. Um it it looks different because I'm not giving pulpit announcements necessarily throughout the rest of the year, am I? No, you are not. No. So if someone shows interest or expresses interest, this is really cool. What you do is you find one of your rock star volunteers and you say, hey, I'm going to pair you up with Laura tonight. I want you to just kind of observe and see. And, and the nice thing is, is if they don't fully know or understand some of the different policies, then they're next to another adult the entire time. And that, that limits risk or liability or confusion or misinterpretation or whatever it is. And then after that, then you sit down and have a one-on-one. Hey, how was your experience? What did you see? What did you like? What, what do you think you, how, how do you think you can contribute? And so you can actually have them take a test drive night as a shadow to one of your rock stars. So are you making calls weekly? Like you're still getting names and stuff like that weekly? Like what does that look like? Well, it depends. I, I think it depends on the needs of the ministry at this point. If you're still five small group leaders short uh, or five catechists short of making your program really function well, then yes, absolutely. Um, but otherwise, you need to you need to be aware of other people's promptings and then plug them in as you go. Yeah, I, I don't know how realistic it is because I, I just know how busy the year gets. But... I, I would almost try to find a way like, okay, if you're full, if you've got all the ministers you need for the current ministry, then keep looking for more like volunteers, like don't ever stop. And maybe you develop a, another team that's a part of it, but you, that way you have people to fill in slots as you need them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because if you stop, if you ever stop recruiting because you're full, then you're you're going to just through atrophy, you're going to be back in a position where you're scrambling again. Scrambling, yeah. So you do want to have people kind of being on ramped while other people are doing the execution. And how myopic is our vision to say we're full? Like, yeah. <laughs> just just imagine if one third of the people in your program were inspired by a talk or a teaching or the gospel and invited a friend. Mm-hmm. You're not full anymore. 
Now yeah. you're 20 volunteers short or whatever. So we always want to have more volunteers than we need because God can multiply things in a heartbeat. And we want to set up our, our, our programs, our ministries to acknowledge that reality. So would you say that you would dedicate an hour a week to recruiting or just like at least that? I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't, to be honest. I haven't. Me either. Yeah, kind of once I hit that point, it's really just kind of keeping my my ear to the ground and sensing, okay, that, that parent has been stepping up or stepping in or sticking around for our mealtime or staying a little bit longer. Why don't I just invite them? I, there's been a dad that sat outside one of the classrooms with his laptop and worked on on some work stuff, and I invited him to to volunteer. And he's like, well, I'd still need to stay focused on this a little bit. So he became a hall monitor, just someone security-wise. When we break into small group, there's like a 10-minute period where we need to make sure that kids are getting to where they need to go. He's like, I can totally do that. And so now he's there, but there's more meaning to him being there. Do you see what I'm saying? So just keep your ear to the ground. Yeah, yeah. So just and paying attention to, I guess, the the culture and the feeling of your current volunteers, if they feel overworked, if they feel like there's too few of them, um, even though you think you're full. Um, I just think it'd be good to always be doing something, you know, to continue to fill the coffers. And if you overflow, if you have too many, then maybe there's ministry that God wants you to do outside of what you're currently doing. Exactly. I don't know what too many means. I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> I, well, I was blessed once. Uh, once. Well, no, I've been blessed lots. But one time, <laughs> we had more volunteers than we needed. I mean, like, legit, we were saturated. And uh, I encouraged that They were like, but I want to help serve the youth. And I encouraged them to go volunteer with Young Life. The Young mm-hmm. Life in the town that I was in uh, was a little bit hostile towards Catholics. And I was like, let's just infiltrate it a little bit. And uh, show them how amazing and fun Catholics can be in regards to the faith. And uh, a couple of them actually went and participated in that in light of the fact that we, um, we were pretty, pretty well full at the youth program that I was running at the time. I like it. Well, we're coming to the end. Anything we want to make sure that we say on the recruiting side of the volunteers? Yes, then train them. Just real quick, follow up and train them. And then along the way, uh, part of retention is to support, empower, and affirm the volunteer. And we're going to cover that in detail next week. I even think the training is part of retention as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but it's a both and. You cannot be like, hey, come volunteer. And they're like, what should I do? And be like, well, I'll let you know when I'm ready to retain you. You know, we have to <laughs> we have to empower them in the front end. So, well, good. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, let's continue the conversation online. We got MLA Podcast on Facebook. Come check us out. And send us any feedback to MLA at ablazeyouth.org. Share this podcast with someone. Share it with volunteers. Yeah, share with volunteers who are willing to recruit other volunteers so that those volunteers don't have to be lifelong volunteers if God calls them to other ministries. But we do want to foster a culture of lifelong volunteerism, and that's what we do here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous. We believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. So take this time this week. Take this time. Take some time. Just pray right now. Pray for other ministry leaders right now. And for those people God has called by name that we don't know yet, like, please, Jesus, introduce us to the people you desire to serve with us. We will see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless you.